and turn with me to the book of Galatians chapter 5. Thanks, Steve, for asking you not to read your worship folder while I speak this morning. That's always helpful. Galatians chapter 5 is where we are this morning as we come to uh, message number 5 in our series, Overflow. This is the last message in this series uh, that we have been journeying on together as we look at the person and the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And uh, as we've gone through this this uh, journey over these past few weeks, we've tried to take a look at just who the Holy Spirit is, what His role is in our lives, where He sits uh, in the Godhead, and what that means for each and every one of us, and, and His His personal um, work in each and every one of us. And I hope that uh, that it has been an encouraging journey for you. I hope that over these past few weeks that you felt inspired and encouraged to, to get into God's Word and to seek out this Holy Spirit, not this, this thing and not a feeling, but the person of the Holy Spirit and have Him live within you and not just be present, but to be active within us. What we saw was, was that over the past few weeks we learned that that for every one of us that have called ourselves uh, Christian, for every one of us that have accepted Christ as Lord and Savior, at that moment, the Holy Spirit comes and takes up residence in our lives. And that we now have an option of turning our lives over to the control on a daily basis, control of our lives over to the, the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit, or not to, or to just live according to our own Desires, And so uh, it's, it's our hope that you've been challenged and inspired to seek more of the Holy Spirit in your life in a practical way where you will understand God's blessing. To that end, let me share with you uh, quickly where we've been over the last four weeks. Just a reminder to you as you turn to Galatians 5. First of all, we saw in week one that the Holy Spirit um, is a person who is living and active within us, and that God's greatest desire for all of us as we live in the here and now is that we would live a life that is full and abundant. That we would live a life that is overflowing with God's goodness and His mercy and His grace. And we saw that in John 10.10, Jesus Himself said that He came not only to give us life to the eternal, but life in the here and now that would be that will be uh, abundant, overflowing, and full as we live today. The agent of that fullness, the agent of that abundance in our daily life is the Holy Spirit. As we give up control on a daily basis, uh, control of our lives to the Holy Spirit, where Paul called it in the book of Ephesians chapter 5, verse 18, be filled with the Holy Spirit. And I reminded you in that passage that that is a word of continuous action. It's something that we are to be constantly doing. It's not something that, that happens once. We call our, we ask Christ to forgive us of our sins, lead our life. We are now Christian. The Holy Spirit dwells in us and then we walk away from it. It is something that we do on a continuous basis. We continually ask the Holy Spirit to have control of our lives day in and day out that we may understand what God wants for us and we may understand the blessing that He has for us. That was week one. In week two, we looked at the idea that there really is a battle 
going on inside of each and every one of us. We looked at Romans chapter 8 and how Paul describes this battle between the spiritual man and the sinful man in our own hearts of, of who will win control of the day. Every day that we wake up and every day that we live, who will we give control to? It's all about choices we talked about. We will choose to give the spirit control or we will choose to give God control in our lives. It is a, a real battle that takes place in our heart and in our souls. And uh, the challenge is to give control, give up control to the Holy Spirit. In the third week, we, we tried to consider just who the Holy Spirit is, who He is as a person and, and what He does in, in our lives. And we recalled that, that He was sent to be an ever-present counselor in our hearts and in our lives. John 14 and John 16 talks about the fact that, that the Holy Spirit would come as this counselor to guide us and to teach us and to give us peace in our heart and in our soul. And in John 16, we looked at, at how Jesus Himself said that the Holy Spirit would come and be the one who convicts people of sin and righteousness and judgment. And we really stopped that morning and kind of drilled down on the fact that it's not our job to convict people of sin. It's the job of the Holy Spirit. We have a role to play in the kingdom. Our role is to look for open doors and opportunities in our relationships and throughout our our lives where we can speak words of truth, where we can speak God's Word into the heart and into the lives of other people, but in a way that is kind and in a way that is loving and in a way that is right. We are not the ones who are to convict people. We are called to speak God's Word, to speak it in truth and in love. And then the Holy Spirit comes and works in the heart of the people that we know, works in the hearts of the people that we trust and love, and God speaks to them and convicts them through the work of the Spirit. And God does that to us. You don't convict me. I don't convict you. The Spirit convicts us. But we have many times opportunities to speak words of encouragement, words of challenge, words of truth, all in love to each other to allow the Spirit to begin that work within us. Last week we looked at the idea and understood that the Holy Spirit came to give us not a spirit of fear, but a spirit of power. And so who resides within us is God Himself giving us power, the the word from which we get the word dynamite in our language. Dynamite, explosive power, rests and resides within us. The Holy Spirit, as He lives within us, is waiting to unleash His power in your life as you give up control. There's that idea again, control. As we give Him control of our lives, we will walk not in fear, but we will walk in power and in strength with the Spirit. In fact, we also talked about the the idea that the Holy Spirit comes in those moments and gives us boldness. Boldness for the moment. And we, and we, we, we stopped and we realized that boldness is not volume. We don't need to scream and to shout into people's lives. We need to speak with boldness. We need to speak the right word at the right time, in the right way, to the right people, as the Holy Spirit guides us and directs us. So over the past four weeks, that's 
the journey we've been on. And those are the, the issues and the topics that we've talked about. And today what I, what I want you to know is this, that none of that matters. Absolutely none of that matters if you don't apply it to your lives. None of it matters if you don't walk in step with the Holy Spirit. None of it matters if you don't keep pace with the Holy Spirit. They're good words. They were, they were things that we may have written down on the back of a, a, a worship folder. They may be words that we've highlighted in our Bibles to remind us of something. They may be words that we wrote down on a sticky note and, and they're up on our refrigerator. They may be words that we've downloaded to our iPod or MP3 players and listened to throughout the week to be reminded of, but none of that matters if we don't walk in step with the Holy Spirit. If we are not obedient to His call in our lives, if we are not striving to live in step with where He is guiding us and how He is moving and where He is leading, none of that matters. They're just words on a page. They're words that we sing. They're sticky notes on our refrigerator. If we are not obedient to Him, keeping pace, staying in step with the Holy Spirit, that's how we realize and tap into His power and His presence in our lives. Look with me at the book of Galatians chapter 5, and I want to draw your attention to two bookends of this section that uh, Steve read for us this morning. Two bookends that, that really outline what Paul's driving at as he speaks to the Galatians. Galatians chapter 5 Verse 16 says this, So I say, live by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the sinful nature. Live by the Spirit. Then he goes on to give some other instruction to the Galatians, some other words of encouragement that we'll unpack here in a moment. But then he ends this, past, this section with these words in verse 25. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. In verse 16, Paul writes these words, Let us live by the Spirit. Paul has the idea in mind that we would wake up every single day and give our lives to God under the control of the Holy Spirit. Let us live by the Holy Spirit. The real, actual living, everything that we do and say, the decisions that we make, the places that we go, we would do that and we would live our lives under the guidance and the direction of the Holy Spirit. These are real practical words that Paul shares. These are words of everyday living. This is not theory. Oftentimes people say, sometimes the Scripture is filled with just theory. There's nothing practical that we can hold on to or live by. These are the practical words that Paul writes. Let us live by the Spirit. Live your life, your everyday, walking around, normal life. Let it be under the control of the Holy Spirit. Every moment, everything, every relationship, everybody that you work with, everybody that's in your children's schools, as you interact and move and live in those environments, let it be under the control of the Holy Spirit. Because God cares how we conduct our lives. God cares how we live. God is not distant and far off. God does not sleep 
in and, and wake up in the, in the morning and say, you know what, if, if you have something going on in your life and you don't understand, go ahead and, and pray and maybe I'll hear you. God is not distant and far away and uninvolved in our lives. God is close. God is present. God has drawn near to us even when we didn't want Him to. He draws near to us. And He sits right beside us. And He dwells by His Holy Spirit within us. And everywhere we go and everything that we do and every encounter that we have, God is right there with us asking that we would give control of that moment, of that situation, of our day, of our lives to the Holy Spirit. And that we would walk in obedience. God is close to us. The moment we wake up through everything that we do and even as we sleep in the night, God is near us and dwells within us. He cares about us. And that's why it is so important that Paul drives this point home, not only in the book of Galatians, but throughout his writings to the, to the early church, that we would live our lives under control of the Spirit. In verse 25, he ends this section and says then, if you're going to live by the Spirit, then keep in step with the Spirit. Keep pace with where the Spirit is going and how the Spirit is leaving, leading you. As I thought about this, this idea of keeping in step, um, I thought of um, the gym. I don't know how many of you guys go to the gym and try to exercise, but I thought of, of you know, I, when I go, I like to get on the elliptical and, and try to keep pace on the elliptical. And, and every now and then, if, if I'm not listening to music and, and uh, not trying to watch the television monitor, I'll, I'll be... Uh, cognizant of the people that are around me on the on the machines at the same time. And I'll notice that if I watch their pace, I can find a rhythm and get in pace with them, right? Have you ever experienced that? You just find that rhythm with somebody else as they're riding and striving along and you can catch their pace and their rhythm. Now, not those crazy people, you know, that do like six or eight miles. Not Not those people. I'm talking, you know, like three minutes, you know. <laughs> But there's that idea that we can somehow harness together um, keeping in pace. As I thought about this word as well, this, this picture that Paul paints, uh, I thought of our military and how they in the army keep in step with each other as they're in formation and they're walking and marching in formation. How they, just a beautiful picture if you've ever watched the the army walking in step. And many of you have served and you know what this is all about. Um, I, I asked um, uh, F.A. Sear and a friend, uh, retired Lieutenant Colonel Gil Jacobs, how and why the soldiers were taught to keep in step with each other. And in, a, in an email response, he said this. He says that the army teaches soldiers how to march in step and in formation when they first enter the military. I just thought the, the words he used were, were beautiful because I thought the first thing that they learn to do is how to keep in step with each other. I thought about the church. I thought how beautiful it would be if it, the first thing we would learn to do as Christians would be to keep in step with the Holy Spirit. He says, 
He says this is commonly referred to as boot camp. He says the new soldiers are guided by a drill sergeant. I like how he wrote that. He wrote guided in quotations. Those of you that served, yeah, I'm sure it's real guidance. Um, But they're guided by a drill instructor um, who teaches them by drilling them. Continuous action, continuous repetitive action. They do this through the repetitive practice of lining the soldiers up in formation and marching them to their various places of duty. Through this, they learn to follow the drill sergeant's commands. This is called close order drill and continues throughout the soldier's time in the army. And then he writes this. Marching together promotes obedience, teamwork, and unity of actions in our soldiers. And I just thought, what a great picture of the church. If we would walk in step with the Holy Spirit, personally and collectively. If we would walk in step with the Holy Spirit, we would see obedience in our lives. We would see teamwork, not only with us and with God, but with each other. And we would have this sense of unity. We are united in Christ. And we can do this together. Well, sandwiched between those two bookends of this section, verse 16 and verse 25 is a practical picture of what it looks like when we live in the fullness of the Spirit and when we don't. And so Paul writes these words. He says this in verse 17. For the sinful nature desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the sinful nature. They are in conflict with each other. So that you do not do what you want to do. Paul begins to compare and contrast what it is uh, to live a life uh, by and under the control of the Holy Spirit and a life that is apart and away from the Holy Spirit. Paul writes to the Galatians the very, uh, very similar words that he wrote to those uh, who were in Rome when we looked at it in Romans chapter 8. Verse 16 says, So I say, live, if you live by the Spirit, live by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of of the sinful nature. The result of living by the Spirit is what is that we are able to defend ourselves against the temptations of the world around us. If we give our control, control of our hearts and lives to the Spirit, we will able, be able to resist the temptation that so easily wants to entrap us, the temptation that so easily wants to hinder us and trip us up. And we have to re- realize and remember that in this life that we live, on this side of eternity, we will always be tempted by the sinful nature to live and to move and to participate in things that go completely against God's standards. That temptation does not go away when we say yes to Christ. In fact, I think at times the temptation increases so that the enemy can tear down the testimony and the good word of the Christian church. And we fight this battle, but if we give ourselves to the Spirit, we are able to resist. He says in verse 17 that the sinful nature and the spirit nature are in constant battle and conflict. And that's why we realize in our hearts what we want to do. We know in our heart 
what we should do. But in practice, we do something completely different. In our heart, we know what it is to live for God. And in our heart, we know what it is to live according to His standards. But so many of us, day in and day out, we do things in practice that are so far from God. And we know it. And when we stop and when we pause at the end of the day or we lay in bed at night, we grieve. Because we know we missed the mark. We know we didn't do what we should have done. The Holy Spirit begins to talk to us about that and reminds us it's a battle every day. Every day we battle whether we are going to live by the Spirit or not. And here's how we know whether we're living by the Spirit or we're living by the sinful nature. Paul writes it in verses 19 through 21. He says this, The acts of the sinful nature are obvious. It's a good word, obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, and debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft. And then Paul gets a little personal. Because for a lot of us, we would read those words and we're like, yeah, I'm not, you know, I'm not a witch. Right? I mean, seriously, I mean, we would read this and we would say, well, that's not me. I mean, I'm not a witch and, and I don't have a, 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 an idol, a wooden idol in my room. I, yeah, that's not me. Although I would say our idols are other. But Paul gets a little personal then. The acts of the sinful nature are obvious. And he goes on, he says, hatred. Have you ever hated anybody? Have those words ever come from our mouth? Whether, whether they're true in our heart or not, I mean, sometimes in our North American language and we have colloquialisms that you know, aren't really in our heart. We just say it because it's cultural. Sometimes. Hatred. Discord. There have been discord in our homes and in our families. Jealousy, bits of rage, selfish ambition, dissension, factions. Ever been factions in the home? In our church? Envy, drunkenness, orgies and the like. As I warn you as I did before that those who live like this, will not inherit the kingdom of God. You know what's great about Paul's words here? That we don't have to guess at what the Scriptures say displeases God. Paul wrote, the acts of the sinful nature are obvious. One of the lines we hear in, in Christian life is, well, don't judge me. Don't judge my lifestyle. Don't judge what I do. Hey man, I'm not judging you. It's obvious. There's no judgment there. When I see you drunk on a weekend, I'm not judging you. It's obvious. When you admit sexual immorality, that's obvious. When you have a fit of rage, that's obvious. When you're jealous with about something or someone, that's obvious. I mean, the, the acts of the sinful nature, Paul says, are obvious. I'm not judging you. 
but I bet the Holy Spirit's convicting you. And I bet it's uncomfortable and I bet it doesn't feel good. And I bet at times we have to sit back and say, what am I going to do with this? One way is to misplace the, the, uh, where the, the guilt is coming from and put it on other Christians. And as we said a couple weeks ago, sometimes we do that pretty well. Sometimes that's where the church has failed, that we've not done a good job at letting the Holy Spirit convict people. We've had to step in because of our immaturity. But at other times it is just so painfully obvious. And not only in this passage, but all throughout the Scriptures from the Old Testament throughout the New Testament, God is clear at the things that do not please Him. We don't have to guess. It's painfully clear at times. And this is the clear distinction between one who lives by the Spirit and one who does not. In verse 21, right at the end, there's this this little phrase that, that is somewhat difficult at times for us to read. And it says, I warn you as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. And sometimes we, we, we rear back and we say, well, now wait a minute. Does that mean that you know, if I'm a Christian, then I'm not going to go to heaven because I live like this? I think what Paul is trying to tell us here in this verse is that if you live like this, you're probably not a Christian. Because those who have given their hearts to Christ and said yes to Him understand that this lifestyle is not what God asks of us. In fact, it's the very lifestyle He saved us from. The very things that we should be giving up. And in the language of the verse, the verb is continuous action. Again, this verb talks about habitual practice. Those who live like this, emphasis on live, those who live like this, constant habitual action. This is the marker of their life. They live like this. They will not inherit the kingdom of God because they've not given their heart to God. Paul's point is that people who practice such things give evidence of having never received God's Spirit. There's never been a change in their heart. But for those who have the Spirit, those who have God's Spirit, Living within them, these are the words Paul uses to describe them in verse 22. He says, but the fruit of the Spirit, the evidence that the Holy Spirit lives in your life and your life is under the control of the Spirit, is love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and gentleness and self-control. How do we know if we're in the Spirit, if we're making choices that are being Spirit-led or, or sinfully led? The choices that show that we are people who are living with love and peace and joy and patience. Not, not to completion, not to, not to perfection, again, on this side of eternity, but always continuing to strive to be better at these things. These should mark our lives. And we should be striving to to grow into maturity in all of those things. Will we slip up every now and then? Yes. Is it possible that we would have a lapse in judgment 
on occasion and find ourselves back doing the acts of the sinful nature that are obvious? Yes. But Paul's point is that those who don't inherit the kingdom of God live like that. That is the marker of their life. Those who live by the Spirit live this way. And we can always ask for forgiveness and we can always keep working on the fruit and the evidence of our lives that are given to Christ. We're not perfect. We're not always going to get it right. And there are a lot of times that we're just going to blow it, probably daily, in relation to love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. But Paul's point is this is the marker. This is what it means to live a life that is given and yielded to the Spirit. And for many of us who sit here today, we can see that change in the lives of other people, can't we? People that we've known, that we've grown up with, that that have given their lives to Christ, we see a, a, a change come over them. And we can't explain this change. Sometimes it's it's it, the countenance is changed instantaneously. There's still some room to grow in love and joy and peace and patience and all those other things, but there's a change in countenance, there's a change in behavior, there's a change in attitude, there's a change in action. And it gives evidence of a change of heart. This is the life that's been changed by Christ. This is a life that is being filled by the Spirit. And it's as though verse 21 sits right in the middle of that those descriptors and says, here is the one option. Life living, living according to the sinful nature or the other option, life living under the control of the Spirit. How do we know if we're living a life that's filled with the Spirit and under His control? Well, these will be evident in our lives. But pragmatically, how do we give the Holy Spirit control over our lives? How are we to be filled with the Spirit? What what can we do practically? A couple of weeks ago I said that um, for those of us, myself included, that are linear thinkers, we like to know the steps and the process, what's step one, step two, step three. And I said I would share some things with you, and I want to do that today. One of the things that I wanted to give you is this tool that's in your worship folder. It's this little booklet um, called, Have You Made the Wonderful Discovery of the Spirit-Filled Life? And I've given this to you today as one tool, and I hope you hear me out. This is one tool that you can use to ask the Holy Spirit to have control of your life. One tool that you can read through and try to understand more of how to surrender ourselves to Him. I don't believe there are magic prayers or magic words or specific things that we need to say. I believe that the Scriptures guide us and teach us into the the truth of God. But if we are stuck and we just don't know what to say, I don't even know how. What, I don't even know what the words are that would be even appropriate. There are some words in here to guide you as a tool to help you in that journey. As I read through this, as you read through it, it says a lot of what we've already said over the past five weeks. And you may be tempted to say, oh, I know where he got his message. It's not, honestly, it's not. Please believe me. It's not. Um, 
But what it says to me is it's confirmation of what God is saying to us. Again, here's a tool that you can use. One tool in the tool belt of how to live a life under the control of the Holy Spirit. Second thing that I would share with you is is this, pray. Kind of sounds simple, right? Pray. Well, sometimes we need to be that simplistic. Pray. Pray, and as you pray, claim and ask for the Holy Spirit to do what He is uh, what His work is to do in our hearts and lives. Pray, Holy Spirit, come and fill me today. Pray, Holy Spirit, guide me today in everything that I do. Pray, Holy Spirit, come and teach me as I sit down to read Your Word. You teach me what it is that I need for today. Holy Spirit, come and be my comforter. Holy Spirit, help me to keep in step with You. These are the promises of God. And we can pray and, and appeal to the Holy Spirit and ask that we, would, that we would see Him moving in our hearts this way. Third thing would be to walk in obedience. As I opened up this morning, in the beginning, it really is comes down to that one point of obedience. We will either obey what God asks us to do or we will not. Sometimes it doesn't get much easier than that. You either obey or you don't. My wife and I stumbled across a saying a long, long time ago, obedience brings blessing. It kind of rings through our, through our home. When we're obedient, we see the blessing of God. Three things practically that you can do to understand and realize more of the Holy Spirit and find this abundant life that God has for us. So let me bring you back to Paul's conclusion to the Galatians in verse 25. He says this, Since we live by the Spirit, we've made that, that decision, we're going to live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Holy Spirit. Many of you, especially our, our business leaders, uh, probably have heard the axiom or a variant of it that says, speed of the leader, speed of the team. Speed of the leader, speed of the team. It's often used to inspire leaders, but as I thought about it this week, I thought about it from the other perspective as a follower. That we need to keep in step and we need to keep up with the speed of the leader in our life. We have a role to play in this too. We have a role to keep in in step with the Holy Spirit as He moves and as He directs us and as He guides us and as He teaches us. As fast as the Holy Spirit is moving in our lives, we are called to keep in step with Him. When the Holy Spirit stops for a season, we are to stop with the Holy Spirit. Speed of the leader, speed of the team. With Christ as our head, And our leader, he has set a standard of living for us uh, and given us a path to run on. The Holy Spirit, in a practical sense, is ahead of us, setting pace, setting a pace that we need to keep up with. And the question I wonder for myself is whether I'm keeping up to speed with the leader. Am I keeping in step with the Holy Spirit? And if I say yes, then does my life reflect that? 
Do we together, we as a church, reflect speed of the leader, speed of the team? Are we as a church keeping up to speed with the Spirit? Back to Dr. Jacob's military reference. Interesting, we, he writes, one of the important goals in marching for the soldiers is to be in step with each other. One way this happens is for everyone to follow the cadence that they hear from a drummer beating a cadence on a drum. He writes, I think that when we, Christian soldiers, are in step with the cadence from our drummer, the Holy Spirit, we will be in step with each other. How powerful it is for a church to be filled with people who are striving to keep in step with the Holy Spirit individually in their private lives, but also corporately as a body. Will we keep in step with the Spirit? Will we collectively hear the cadence of the Holy Spirit moving us and pushing us and driving us forward? Will we hear the Spirit say stop when it's time to stop? And will we hear the Spirit say go when it's time to go? It's something we have to do personally. It's something we must do collectively. It speaks to unity in the body. And as we come to the communion table this morning, this is a natural time for us to pause and reflect on our own hearts and lives and really ask if we're keeping in step with the Holy Spirit. Am I in my life keeping pace with Him? Staying in step, moving when He moves, stopping when He stops. As we come to the communion table this morning, It's a natural time for us to consider our unity as well. Are we together following the cadence of the Spirit? It's been a challenging week for us as a church body. As we reflect on the words of Rick from last week, it's been a challenging week, I'm sure, for you privately as you wrestle and react to and try to formulate in your mind everything that he shared with us. It's been a challenging week for the staff as we've met to pray and to just ask God, guide us, speak to us, give us wisdom. But as Rick implored us last week, we are to remember that this is Christ's church. What is special about FAC is the unity and spirit that is found here. Those who move from the periphery and find ways to connect and grow will find a family who is loving and caring, even though we come from varied backgrounds and from different generational lines. We are strong as a body because we understand that we are united under the banner of Christ. Together, together we as a church are able to raise $28,000 for Hearts for the Hungry and provide 693 bags of rice for orphans in Haiti. That's what we've done together. Together, we are able to see hundreds of children participate in the Summer VBS program, our School Year Awana program, and our weekly programs that inspire and open the hearts of children to Christ. Together, We've seen our junior and senior high students 
flourish in their faith and almost outpace and outdistance us, some of us old codgers in the faith, challenging us to newer, newer, a newer vibrancy in our spiritual life. Together, we've reached couples to strengthen their marriage. Together, we've seen hundreds of people on short-term missions trips. Together, we've held the hands of missionaries from Russia to Hispaniola, from Mississippi to Macedonia, and from Uruguay to the unreached peoples and hostile lands. Together, this church will grow into the future and reach people and homes and communities for Christ in ways that are innovative and creative and laser-focused on the mission of Christ. Because this church is united in Christ and led by the Holy Spirit. Amen? This mission is what we celebrate today. And this table should inspire us individually and collectively to keep in step with the Holy Spirit. Reminding us of God's goodness to us. How God is not distant, but God drew near to us and offers us redemption, forgiveness, hope, and unity. As we come to the table this morning, I would ask that we take a few moments to just prepare our hearts and you deal with God as He's been dealing with you. Ask if we're keeping in step with Him. Ask Him to guide us and to direct us. And as the worship team comes and leads us in our song to prepare for communion, take this time. Take this time to speak with God. Let's pray. Father, I ask that in these moments we would wrestle with the things that You have been saying to us for the past few weeks and the things that You've been saying to us today. We would hear Your voice and we would be obedient to what You're asking of us to do. I pray, God, that the cry of our heart would be to have the Holy Spirit have control of our lives. And that we would see clearly how we are to live and to move and to act. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.